you have a good time. It's good to be back with you. It's been a month. Now we missed two Sundays because of Christmas and New Year's. And then I was, I was in Portland, Oregon last weekend uh, at a conference, the Society of Christian Ethics. Um, and I'm grateful for Jason uh, filling in with me, filling in for me. Um, some of you have heard, so I, I feel like I, it feels like confession time. <laughs> like I, I always feel like I have to explain where I've been. Like coming home to your parents, like, where have you been? <laughs> I always feel that way. I don't know what kind of dynamic that is exactly, but um, I do feel responsible for telling you where I've been. Um, with, uh, yeah, it's guilt. We're your elders. Yeah, you're my elders. Um, some of you know that we started a tradition in our household. I guess this is the fourth Christmas where uh, four years ago we decided we're not going to buy anybody in our family gifts. Just we're done with that. Um, I mean, trying to buy stuff for people who don't need anything just at one level seems silly. Um, at least that's what we thought, not arguing that for everybody, but that's what we thought. And so we decided we were just going to go somewhere together as a family, get away, get out of Johnson City um, so our kids couldn't go escape to their friends. Or just, we would just do something fun together. So we, we, we've done that. You know some of those stories. This year was a little different because um, we've been planning for a couple years. Um, Kim's mother um, had wanted for years to take a cruise with all her grandchildren, 18 grandchildren, and their parents and spouses. Um, and, and she died before she could make that happen. Um, but she left us money to do it. I mean, is that crazy, generous, or what? So, so 39 of us went on a Caribbean cruise between Christmas and New Year's. So I'd never been on a cruise. I have to be honest, I never really wanted to go on a cruise. Um, but it was, it was lovely to be, Kim's family gets along really, really well, so it's not the horror you might think of being on a cruise ship with all your relatives. Um, it, it was lovely time. Um, our kids don't get to see their cousins very often, and so they had a lovely time being with all their cousins. So it was a lot of fun. Um, it was, uh, yeah, 85 degrees in the day and 75 at night, so you're not, I'm not going to get any sympathy from you. <laughs> so uh, it, it was lovely. And I, as I was telling a couple of the people, it was, it was awkward. In, in some ways, because as you might remember, the hurricanes went through the Caribbean this past year, and our itinerary had changed. In fact, our final deposit was due on the day that the second hurricane was hitting the Caribbean. And so we called our travel agent and said, you know, what are you gonna do? And they said, we don't know, we'll take you somewhere. <laughs> I said, well, I guess we have to trust you. <laughs> and so they changed the itinerary several times, as islands closed and opened, and um, it, but it was it was strange. I have to say, um, trying to I mean you can't help but be a tourist. I mean if, if 
if the ship with 2,000 people was pulling up to the port and dumping you off. I mean, you can't sort of hide that. Um, don't really look like the local. Um, and, but it was just hard. I mean, on the one hand, you're there, they're the tourists. I don't think we had anyone, a taxi driver or Uber driver who had electricity yet anywhere we went. Um, just devastation everywhere. And so it was hard to be there. On the other hand, they wanted you to be there because um, one of the islands we went to, we were the only, the third cruise ship that had been there since August. Oh, wow. And so they just had no economy. And so it was weird. Um, I was, on the one hand, almost ashamed to be there, you know, um, so comfortable. On the other hand, they wanted us there. They, they just, they couldn't stop thanking us. And again, it felt so awkward to be thanked repeatedly uh, to be there. So um, it's like a lot of things in life. I mean, there's just a certain awkwardness that it's probably right to feel awkward. I mean, it's probably right not to make that go away. Um, so yeah, we had a good time, but it was also kind of tinged with um, this kind of deep awkwardness um, for the people who are still, you know, we've, we've moved on, right? The United States, we've got our own problems, you know, the news cycle, it's gone on, but you recall, they, they got hit, some of those islands got hit twice, right? And um, they are a long way from getting their lives back together. So, um, so that's where I was, good to be back. I've missed you, seems like forever uh, since we were here. Um, but some things never change. I mean, you're here, even on a really cold day, and we are still on the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> so we have some stability in it was our lives. Three hurricanes back, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was at least three hurricanes back that we started. <laughs> and there might be a couple more before we're done. But the good thing is, we are in the third and final article. Right? I mean, we started the third and final article, um, right? I believe in the Holy Spirit before we left. I don't expect you to remember that, but that's where we left off, um, talking about the Holy Spirit. And um, today we take an interesting turn. I mean, all up till now we've been talking about, um, we've been talking about God, who God is, um, these deep confessions of faith that we have about you know, who, who is this God that we worship? This is what the creed's about, right? It's, a, it's a affirming our faith and reminding us these deep convictions that we bear witness to. It's a confession, right? It's not just a bunch of facts. It's a confession that says this is the God we worship and serve. This is the God who is, desires to draw us into communion with this God. And who is this God? And so this God has been named as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But this is at the heart of the, the good news, uh, at the heart of our faith, is this relational God, right? This, this divine mystery, this, that God is triune, right? That there's no way we can get our heads around, but that God is named as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that... Um, God is eternally, right, the relation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that we confess that. And what's a bit surprising, maybe, 
uh, in the third article of the Creed is in, almost in the same breath that we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the next phrase is the Holy Catholic Church. Right? And if you hadn't heard that your whole life, it might kind of take your breath away. Right? Because um, now we see that we're, we've been confessing who God is but, but now we're talking about the way that God is related to the people of God. And it's not surprising that we show up in the third article with the Holy Spirit because we want to talk today as briefly as we can. I mean, okay. I mean we, could, we could, maybe we will someday do a series on the church, and that, that might even take longer than the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> So there, there's a lot to say about the church. And the Apostles' Creed is actually, of all the creeds, has the, the least to say about the church. Right? It just says that it's the Holy Catholic Church. You may know that the Nicene Creed says the one Holy Catholic Apostolic Church. Right? So this is pretty brief. So you're lucky today. It's just like two points. Um, <laughs> Um, so we have a chance, you know, to get out before lunch. Um, but there's this, you know, I just want us to linger before we say too much about these, these two things, about being um, holy and Catholic. Um, I want us to kind of get our heads around the fact that this, this deep truth that we're confessing, we have, we have deep convictions that we confess about the church, right? About the church. And, um, and of course, we all know we're not talking about this building here. Um, we're talking about that the God from the very beginning has desired to be in communion with those that God created. And and God has always been creating a people for God's name who would bear witness to the rest of the world of who God was. It goes all the way back to Abraham, right? All the way back to Abraham, where God's creating a people for God's name. Through whom, God says to Abraham, through whom all the nations of the world will be blessed. So God has always been creating a people. And Jesus understands his ministry as partly reestablishing, reconfiguring Israel. Right? We've talked about that before. Right? It's not a coincidence that there are 12 apostles. Right? Um, this notion that God is somehow reconstituting Israel uh, for the same purpose, right? For a mission that God chooses. So there's these chosen people, the people of God. And it's interesting that the names that we bear as the church, which are many, but some of them reflect the fact that we are being drawn up into this eternal communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? I mean, we, we are children of the Father, right? 
The church is called the family of God. And God is our Father. We talked about that when we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. Right? And, and the names of God. Uh, and the images of God. That God is our Father. Um, we're also called the, the body of Christ. Right? We are the body of Christ. Um, and just in the same uh, oh, I can't say it's exactly the same way, but in a way analogous, how, however analogous, that uh, Jesus is preeminently, as we said a month ago, Jesus is preeminently the man of the Spirit, right? That Jesus' life is animated by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, and that makes who Jesus is, that we ourselves are the body of Christ, animated by the Spirit. And so, not only are we called the body of Christ, we're also called the temple of the Spirit. Right? And so, e even in the names that we bear in Scripture, we reflect God's triune nature. And not only that in the names, but in our very being, in the way that God has made us, because in the same way that God is eternal relation between Father, Son, and Spirit, we too are created for relation. And we have talked about that so many times, right? That, that what it means to be me, what it means for you to be you, is to be in relationship, both with God and other people. We were created for relation. We weren't created to be isolated individuals. In fact, we aren't fully human. We aren't fully who God has called us to be if we're isolated, cut off from God and for one another. God made us for God and God made us for each other. And part of what we bear witness to as the people of God, as the family of God, as the body of Christ, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, is we by the grace of God and by the power of the Spirit, seek to live out that communion with God and one another. We'll do it imperfectly, of course, but we bear witness to the world that that's, that's God's desire. We're made for each other and for God. That's a beautiful thing, and, and that's so important to who we are. That's so important to our faith that we confess that in our creed. Now that's, that's pretty remarkable because um, if you're like me, I mean, I, I, I can't, there's been no time in my life when I have not been part of uh, Christian congregations. And I think that's so for a lot of you, not all of you, but for probably a majority of you is my hunch. I don't know all of your stories. But... If you've been around the church for a week, or you've been around the church all your life, um, you're well aware, uh, my hunch is, that there's, it's hard to know how to put this delicately, um, that there's a lot not to like about the church. Right? Um, it's, it's a rare Christian who hasn't been exasperated. And that's, again, kind. Oops, I'm throwing things already. Exasperate. Yeah, exasperate. See, I'm so frustrated I'm throwing things. Thank you. Um, right, I mean, 
it's a rare Christian who hasn't been deeply frustrated, um, exasperated, wounded um, by the church. Which is all the more reason it's surprising, right, to find this part of the creed. That, um, I mean, you don't need me to tell you, there's, there's lots of people, lots of well-meaning Christians who have just given up on the church. And they'll tell you, I haven't given up on God yet, although I'm almost there, but I'm, I've given up on the church. Um, and at one level, I, I understand that, right? It's not like I'm wagging my finger at them saying, how could you dare do that? I mean, I understand that. Um, the, the church is people animated by the Spirit of God, and, and we're frail and broken people. We are. And anytime we try to give the impression of something other than that, we make things worse. <laughs> right? We, we, are, we are broken people. Um, and yet, right? And here's the important part. And yet, uh, God glories in working through frail, broken people gathered in God's name to bear witness to who God is. I mean, we sometimes talk about like, why, why doesn't God do miracles anymore? That's a miracle, right? If you need a modern day miracle, just think about it. I mean, I know myself well enough, you know yourself well enough, and to think that God by the Holy Spirit might gather us together and still be capable of bearing witness to who God is through our brokenness. That's a miracle. Right? That's a miracle. And so, um, yeah, God didn't call the people of God into existence for us to point to ourselves. I mean, God called us into existence to point to who God is and what God's doing in the world. So, God's not waiting for us to be perfect in order for God to bear witness through us. That, that's good news. At least it is to me. I'm thinking it's probably good news to you too. Um, because if I thought God was waiting for me or for us to be perfect before God could use us, I would despair. Right? And you would too. Um, now that doesn't give us an excuse, right, not to live into the life that God desires for us, which is a, a life that's better than the one we desire for ourselves. But God's not waiting on us to do that, to use us. And that's good news. And so we bear witness, right, that we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. So let's say just a little bit about that and why any of this matters beyond what we've said already. So, the holy, like what's holy about the church? We just mentioned a lot of people will say right away, you know, I can't be with those people, they're just hypocrites, right? Um, or people on the other side will say, I, I'm, I'm not good enough. Um, 
to be with those people. If you knew my life, my life is such a wreck. Um, and I've done things that I can't even speak about. And if I did, I wouldn't be able to show my face in public again. Uh, I can't be part of that, right? And yet, both of those things miss, miss the good news that we're confessing, right? That, that this holiness of the church, right? Um, and you know, this notion of holiness in Scripture means to, to set something apart for a purpose, right? The holiness of the church is not our possession, right? Um, we don't have holiness, right? God, God, has, God has set us apart, right? God has set us apart for God's own purposes. So we're not, when we confess the holiness of the church, we're not confessing that somehow apart from God, we're pure and unblemished and righteous and, and have it all together. Although the world sometimes thinks they hear us saying that, whether they're right or not, right? Um, but that's not it, right? That's not this holiness, right? This holiness is rooted in God's character, in what God has done on our behalf in and through Christ, and by the fact that God has given us the holy, sanctifying spirit. It's not coincidence that in the same breath we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Right? It's, it's God's holiness. Right? It's God's holiness that is working in and through us that is making us holy. We hope. We hope that God is sanctifying us, setting us apart for God's purposes not for our own sakes, but for God's purposes, that we might bear more faithful witness to who God is and what God desires of all creation, not just the people of God. <coughs> That's really important to remember, that the church does not exist for itself. The church isn't its own end. It's not its... Um, we, God is gathering a people... God is gathering a people, calling out a people, right? That's what the, the, the Greek word for, for church means, right? It, it means to call someone out, to gather them for an assembly, to do, to do work, right? Uh, it wasn't a, wasn't a religious word in first century Greek. It was a kind of political word. It was the assembly, people who were called out to do the work of the, the city, um, and, and God has called us out and called us together. Uh, and, and so set us apart in his making us holy, made it, making us set apart for a purpose, which is to live lives that bear witness in word and deed to who God is and what God desires in the world. That, that's our holiness. We don't own it. It's not a possession. Uh, and it's not a statement about our righteousness apart from God. 
It's none of that. And we have to be clear about that. Um, and, and not just to ourselves, although that's really important, but we need to be clear to others um, that we're not uh, the gathering of the people who have it all together, which is what we sometimes give people the impression, which is why they, one, either know better, right? That's why they call us hypocrites. Um, or they think they're not good enough to be with us because they know, they're honest enough to know that they don't have it all together. Um, yeah, there are days, this is, uh, there are days which, uh, when I wish our, our reputation as a church was a little bit more like AA. <laughs> right? No one ever walked into an AA meeting thinking you were going to a group of people who had it all together. <laughs> right? Um, quite the contrary. Um, in fact, the people who are most uncomfortable at an AA meeting are people who think they got it all together. But the people who need to be there are the people who don't need to be convinced that they don't have it all together. And, and I, wish, I wish we could live in the world in such a way that people knew that they were welcome here because this is not the group of people who have it all together. This is the people that God has called and we've tried to answer that call to be present, to allow God through the Spirit to work in our lives, but we're a long way from having it together. Um, Holy Catholic Church. In the same way that a lot of people sometimes stumble over that he descended to the dead part of the creed, uh, the other part where um, Protestants often stumble is when they get to the Holy Catholic Church. And they think, but I thought we were Protestants. <laughs> right? Um, are we really Catholics? Or is this their creed and we borrow it? Well, what's I mean, should we just go silent here? Um, I think in some Methodist hymnals they have an asterisk, lest you misunderstand. <laughs> right? Just like descended to the dead, we sometimes just drop it out. You know, here for Catholic, we'll just put a little asterisk and sometimes it'll say down below, universal. Right? Um, which gets largely at it, um, but maybe not all. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the notion that the, the Catholic Church, this, this goes back to the, uh, even though the Apostles' Creed doesn't say one Catholic, holy Catholic Church, the one is implied in the Catholic, right? I mean, if there's a universal church, I mean, there's just one. <laughs> Uh, you're not going to have three universal churches. I'm not sure what that would mean. <laughs> um, I mean, if this church includes all whom God is gathering, right? all who bear the name of Christ, or as Paul says in, in Romans, you know, all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Right? So, if, if 
if everyone who is being led by the Spirit is part of one church, I mean, that's, that's a Catholic, and that's, you know, in, uh, in TypeScript, that's small c, Catholic, right? Uh, the uh, capitalization or lack of it makes all the difference, right? Um, though to be clear, the, the small c Catholic includes the large c Catholic, right? Um, it's not just the large c Catholic. So, um, and again, this is, this is a pretty extraordinary thing to confess. Um, that there is one church, right? Not 47,322 churches and denominations. There is one church. There is one God, right? There is one baptism, right? There's one spirit. Um, and there is one Catholic church. And and to confess that, I mean, talking about trying to, you know, part of a confession, one of the reasons we confess things is because part of our task is to, to live into what we're confessing. In the same way that we're trying to live into the holiness of, of God, right? Called to, to be holy like God is holy. To be said, just as we're trying to live into that, uh, live into what God is making us. Right, this is one of Paul's favorite tactics in his letters to the churches, is to say, you know, be what you are. Right, be what God has made you. You're thinking that sounds like craziness. No, it's like God has made you this. Now act that way. Be that. Right, you're the body of Christ. Right. Nowhere in Scripture does, does Paul or anyone else admonish us to make ourselves the body of Christ. That's a fool's errand. We've never been asked to make ourselves. We are the body of Christ. Paul says, you are the body of Christ. Now act that way. Be what you are. Okay? God has made you holy in Christ. Be that. Okay? God has made you one. One church. Be that. Okay? You can't make yourselves the one holy Catholic church. But you can, by the power of the Spirit, live into what God has already made us. And that's what we're confessing here. Right? That God has already acted and made us one Catholic universal church. So, be that. Right? Live into that. Allow the Spirit to make you that. So what does all this mean? Um, I've tried to suggest that the creed is not just a dusty document that sits on the shelf. It's not just something that we confess to the world and to each other, but it has real-life implications for the way you and I live. Let me just say a couple things. Um, so confessing the church reminds us that we are, in fact, created for communion with God and one another. 
um, and that we need each other, and that God has always been gathering a people. And so I wondered this morning in the shower, um, it was cold this morning, so I lingered long. Uh, still haven't gotten warm. Um, I wondered what, what difference would it make to me when I'm in the shower on Sunday morning if I was more intensely aware that when I'm, when I'm being gathered with you here on Sunday morning, that what's happening here at the corner of these two streets in downtown Johnson City is not just the result of the 50 of us willing to be here on Sunday morning. But that doesn't quite, not, 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 not quite, it doesn't come close to capturing what's going on. Right? God is gathering us. God is calling us. Right? What, 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 if, I gathered, what if we gathered here on Sunday morning more aware that we're not just all here because we're good people and we want to be here. This is not this is not the Rotary Club. Okay? Good people gather to be the Rotary Club and do good things in the community. I'm grateful that the Rotary Club exists. But the Rotary Club exists by the will of human beings. Muncie Church does not. Nor does any other church. We're responding to the will of God to gather and bear witness to who God is. And what if I saw you as part of that gathering, that we're part of something so much bigger than any one of us wills on Sunday morning, even on a cold day? Okay, granted, you had to will to be here for sure. But I'd like to think that we will to be here because we have a sense that we're part of something bigger than what any one of us wills. So this is part of what the creed's about. This, this miracle that we call the church, the, a miracle for all its blemishes, for all its shortcomings. I mean, as you all know, there's nothing in the New Testament that suggests the church is anything other than broken people bearing witness to God. And its glory is precisely that. I mean, the church is at the same time the bride of Christ. But it, it is, right? It, someday it will be without spot and blemish. But in our daily life, we're still blemished. We're still broken. Right? That's that paradox. Um, and yet, God can do something glorious and beautiful through us um, when we're open to the work of the Spirit. And the same thing goes for, for holiness. Right? What's it mean to open ourselves up daily to God's sanctifying work that God might bear witness through us? Um, how do we do that? Um, last year, 2017, was the year of vulnerability. Um, we haven't left vulnerability behind. Um, but one of the things I encouraged you to do last year was um, to be maybe just a little bit more open with your own story um, when you gather together in your small groups and other things. I don't know how many of you did that. I heard a few reports, but I'm not taking names. I'm not one of those people. Um, 
But you know, part, part of our relationality, part of our holiness, part of our sanctifying comes actually through God's work through other people in our lives. And, um, but for you to call me to something greater than I am, I have to be open with what I'm struggling with, uh, where my frailties are. And too often I use a lot of energy trying to hide that. And now I'm back to AA again, <laughs> right? Um, one of the things that strikes you about AA is that the way in which people over time find great freedom in transparency, right? They find great freedom in being transparent. And I don't think we realize how much we're in bondage as long as we keep trying to hide from each other. And so God's not going to turn me, make me magically, sanctify me magically as long as I'm willing or unwilling to be open about where the broken places are in me. So maybe that's part of our holiness is, is transparency, right? A vulnerability that says, um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe you're broken like I am and I'm assuming that you know that we're broken people because that's part of the gospel and so if I tell you I'm broken, you're not going to be shocked, right? And so we can trust each other in that. So maybe that's so kind of surprisingly part of our holiness, our, our being sanctified as being, so I just want to continue to encourage you to continue to be open and vulnerable and transparent. Um, can't do that with everybody, but you should have some people in your life, some Christian brothers and sisters with whom you're doing that. Catholic. Um, it's easy, even at Muncie, to kind of divide ourselves up, right? Um, you know, oh, you're one of those people that goes to the journey service. Or, or you're one of those, you know, snobby people that goes to the traditional service, has to have hymns, right? No one says that, right? But we kind of segregate. Um, and we're just talking about Muncie. We're not talking about, like, the free will Baptists or, you know, um, or whoever that you think is like beyond the pale. Um, but some of you do this, but just baby steps. Um, if you don't already do it, you know, take a Sunday once or twice a year and go to a service that's not your favorite and be reminded it's not about you, it's not about me. Right? I mean, if the Spirit of God's there, then be there. Right? I don't care if it's your music or my music. I don't care if you like the preacher. Just go there. Right? One of the things I enjoyed most about our trip on the, on the cruise was um, people's amazement. I mean, we had shirts. We had t-shirts. Like, we couldn't miss that we were together. Like, how many of there are you? Are you? How many? It's like 39. Really? We've never seen 39 people together. But you know what? I mean, that's tiny. Just 39 people. Right, we're talking about the Catholic Church is all Christians across the world this morning and across time. We're part of something big. And yet, does my daily life reveal that? Does my daily life testify to the enormity of the body of Christ? One of my favorite parts was you know, Sunday was, Sunday morning service was Christmas Eve day, right? So we were in San Juan, we're getting ready to board the ship later that day, so 
many of us went to a little Roman Catholic church around the corner from the hotel we were staying at. You know, entire service within Spanish, um, Catholic Mass. Um, I know the Mass. I, I knew a little bit of what's going on, but, you know, I couldn't sing the songs. I couldn't, you know. But it was just a gift to be there and be reminded that the church is so much bigger than my own petty preferences and my own way of wanting God, right? The, um, and that can happen whether you go across town or you go downstairs to the melting pot or whatever. Just, you know, we should get out a little more and remind ourselves of the beauty of the diversity of God's uh, God's church. And when you find yourself saying, but I don't really like this service, just remind yourself, who cares? Right? Who cares? Right? Don't go there to see if you like it. Go there to see if you can see the Spirit of God at work. And if it is, thank God for that. Right? Thank God for that. And thank God that you've been called to be part of that glorious church through which God is making God known to the world. And that's a miracle. And we get to be part of it. And so I, I hope that we can capture that uh, in our daily life just a little bit more in the days to come. Let's pray. God, we are astounded that you have called us into your family that you have, through Christ, made us the body of Christ, and that, by your Spirit, you are making for yourself a temple. We know that we are unworthy, and yet you have made us worthy in Christ. Give us a deeper, broader, richer vision of the people you've called us to be. May we be open to the work of your Spirit in our lives, and by the power of your Spirit, may we bear witness to your desires for all of creation. We pray this through the one through whom you have made us one, made us holy, made us your one Catholic Church, Jesus Christ. Amen.